This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor for the Peninsula Pulse, and I am joined by our editor, Deborah Fitzgerald. Deborah, thanks for joining the podcast today. Thanks for the invitation. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus as uh, we've got Andrew on maternity leave, and then uh, it's just been really busy. News has been going crazy for us all, and it's the end of the summer, so there's a lot of entertainment stuff going on, but we're catching up. We'll mm-hmm. hopefully get back to regular episodes moving forward here, and maybe a couple of bonus ones for you all. But today, we've got two topics that we want to discuss, the reversal of the shipwrecked decision and of kind of a unique situation that happened in Sevastopol with a development, like a rezoning for development in a highly visible corridor kind of around that Culver's intersection. The Culver's intersection is the hotspot for everything lately, whether it be the dangerous intersection or down the road. We had that tragic death in a, a hit and run a couple of weeks ago. And then with this property, which kind of runs along the highway there. So this is the old crap moment in the town of Sevastopol. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. And Deborah just gave me license to uh, use the phrase old crap on the pod. And I'm pretty happy about it. (laughs) We we used a little stronger phrase, you know, (laughs) but we decided to downgrade it to old crap. So (laughs) So with that rambling preamble by me, let's get into it. Town of Sevastopol had a special meeting to reconsider their approval of a rezoning request and it gets a little complicated, so I'm just going to let you take it away and tell us kind of like the, the broad strokes of what, what happened here. Right. So when a parcel of land is, is rezoned, you go through this whole process. It's different depending upon uh, whether you're a village, you know, a city or a town. But if you're a town, then uh, the county is involved if you have county zoning. And... There is this certain period of time after all those approvals are received, there's this 40-day window when it, you know, if one of those parties, like if the land that's been rezoned is in Sevastopol, they have 40 days to decide, you know, whether or not they really want this to go through. Even though it's been through all the approvals and everything, they've got that 40-day window. So what happened in the town of Sevastopol, this land, just to orient you, is at the intersection of where CNW is and the mill. Sure. Yeah. The mill supper club. The mill supper club. So it's where that. Or for the old timers among us, across the street from the Starlight Outdoor Theater. Oh, really? The Starlight (laughs) was down there? Yeah, it was right uh, just south of the mill. There was the Starlight, which uh, I've been told I, I was too young to attend these. But maybe the occasional skin flick at that theater back in the time. Really? Yep. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So racy at that racy <laughs> intersection, intersection. Yes. Um, where the buildings that Sevastopol took down, there were all those like crappy buildings. The old Meyer and class this, buildings. Yes. And, yeah. So right next to CNW, right in the same side of the road, there's a 30-acre parcel of land. And a gentleman named Adam Dassert, who is the developer, who grew up in Sturgeon Bay, actually, but he lives in Salt Lake City now. So it's he, his wife, and his children intend to move back to Sturgeon Bay. Well, he has apparently numerous businesses, and so he wanted to rezone this from countryside to commercial center. And that is on the comprehensive plan as commercial. 
So Sevastopol thinks that, you know, lining that highway, it should be commercial. So that's not incompatible. So out back, he wants to build a small estate home. So that basically means one and a half acres. And he'll take four of those, and then there'll be between four and six commercial lots in the front. Now, he had built the Blahnik Investment Agency building. It's about 200 feet south of this parcel on the opposite side of the road, like by Grandma Tommy's. Sure. It's like this log cabin style building. Yeah. So he had built that, and that's kind of what he's envisioning for the front part of this parcel. Like each of these commercial lots is about one and a half acres. So he gave these presentations to the town of Sevastopol. They decided to approve that zoning. This is back in June. He gave this presentation to the Resource Planning Committee at Door County. They approved that in July. So then the full county board approves at the end of July, and that's when the clock starts ticking on 40 acres, uh, on the the 40 40 days. days. Right. So as soon as the county did that, these big signs appeared on the land that said, land for sale will subdivide. So that was the oh crap moment for Sevastopol town officials. They started getting phone calls from RPC members, from Resource Planning Commission. What's going on there? And it turns out that the signs weren't even in compliance with the county's yeah, <laughs> sign, sign ordinance. So the, the, the town is like, we have no idea then what's going to happen here. And if we let this go through, then anything could happen. Basically, and that is was true. Was this a big bait and switch? Right, right. I mean, he just, you know, decide, and the thing is, you cannot, a developer doesn't have to say what they want to do with the property when they're requesting a rezoning. So that kind of surprised me when I read your story, because I cover this all the time, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of weird. I get it. You don't want, to some degree, you don't want the government micromanaging to that extent of like, well, yes, we will rezone it if you make this kind of business. But on the other hand, if I'm on a commission, I'm thinking, well, if you want to do several small businesses here, tastefully done, that are compatible with these uh, neighboring businesses. Yeah, let's do that. If you want to put in a big box store, I'd probably be like, oh, I don't really want to see this sprawl. So that's hard, but you can't, in the, on the surface, you'd think as a layperson, that's what those officials can do, but they can't. No, and you know, I knew this from having covered zoning stuff, but I did call Mariah Good after this meeting just to, you know, double check that. And Mariah Good is the director of land use services for the county. And, you know, she did affirm that. Now, if you're a developer going before a town in Door County or before the Resource Planning Commission, you're just like, I want to rezone this to commercial, but I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. Good luck getting your plan passed. That probably is not going to happen. So even though it's not required, I've I've never seen that happen up here where there's been a rezoning where they have no clue what's going to happen with the property. Yeah, it'll usually be say something like on the the lowest level, I've seen people do stuff like, yeah, I want to split this up. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not really sure, but I know like I'm going to sell at one point. I'm 60. My kids don't want it. I got to figure it out. This might be two single family homes and stuff. And I've seen people use that and then totally do something they didn't mention. Mm. But that's kind of, I see that kind of thing a lot of like, well, we're just kind of estate planning. Mm-hmm. And the, the thing is that once this window closes and it's rezoned, then even if they told you all of that, even if they said, I want to put up these tasteful commercial buildings in front and these wonderful homes in the back, 
they don't have to abide by that. Right. So that's what the town of Sevastopol officials were worried about. I mean, it looked exactly like he was he just got the rezoning and now he wanted to sell it for a higher price because that was done. So Adam Dassert was at that meeting on Friday and the town officials had a resolution all ready to go to kill the project. Hmm. And he, Adam Dassert, you know, read this uh, statement. It was, uh, he said he was very emotional about them thinking that he is actually not going to do what he said he was going to do. So there was a lot of questions asked. I think that there was a lot of stuff cleared up, but still town officials were uncertain whether they should allow this to go through just on trust. Yeah. And that's kind of what it comes down to. And the, and the thing that was really interesting to me was, and, and I do see that this a lot, and I know that you do as well, but town officials, city officials, village officials, they are all very invested in the communities that they decide to do this pretty thankless elected <laughs> official job for. Yeah, And it really showed in the town officials there how much they want to make sure that they do the right thing in that very visible corridor. Yeah. You can't get anywhere in Dora County north of Sturgeon Bay without passing that. Right. They are very, very, very aware of it. And to be able to, I mean, perhaps more planning should be done <laughs> since, I mean, they do have a comprehensive plan, but I mean, I, it, it just really shows how much responsibility they have yeah. to make sure that the future of that area, you know, looks the way we would expect Door County to look as you're coming north. Yeah. And, it, and they're, they're really constrained. I mean, 20 years ago, there was a lot more freedom in saying, like, we don't want this. We don't want that. We'll take this. But now they've really been hamstrung by some of the changes at, at the state legislature in terms of what you can say yes and no to, how you have to proceed. I mean, that town of Sevastopol, they went through the, the Quarry Park development. And the, at the town level, it was probably 12 hours of meetings. It was another 20 at the county level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they really took their time to try and make sure they got it right and that they evaluated all the possibilities for that parcel. And those were some really packed meetings. Obviously, they, I mean, they had overflow. I think this was before you moved back. Deb, it was, yeah. But they had overflow meeting space at the Institute Saloon for that because mm. they couldn't fit everybody. The fire marshal, you couldn't get more people into the And because the town it's hall. more fun to watch a meeting from there. I would have preferred to be at the Institute <laughs> Saloon. You know that about me. Well, do the um, real reason, right? <laughs> the, uh, I was begging to get over there, but they went so long. I'm like, I can't, I can't stop at the saloon now. I'm going to get home. Only to approve a plat. How many months later? Because they have approved that. But anyway, well, I interviewed. Well, they ended up going with an over-the-counter permit, which is another thing yeah. for another podcast. Exactly. We'll get back to the quarry. But that level of pressure, like you just said, combined with the constraints that you have, because I think a lot of people, and you see it all the time, somebody proposes a development or somebody breaks ground in development, and what do you see on Facebook or what do we hear when we go to the coffee shop or the bar that say like, I can't believe the village is ruining Sister Bay or I can't believe they're ruining Egg Harbor or look what they're doing to Sevastopol. What is wrong with that board? But if you look at the the legal grounds and what they have, they're able to say yes or no to. And those people complaining, if you came before them with an idea for something, what would you want? How would they, you know, if they arbitrarily just said, we don't like your building, you'd be like, but this is my dad's design or whatever. You know, you can't do it that way. No. And that was the same with Bailey's Harbor. I mean, that was right. I mean, that is a town that has county zoning. I mean, there are so few things that that town can actually do. 
right. for they don't have an architectural design board. Now they could, and those are the things that you know can arise from some contentious development. Yeah. There are things that can be done that aren't always done. In mm-hmm. a lot of times maybe these officials don't even know because as you and I know and as you talk about frequently they don't talk to each other. Right. So if another town does have an aesthetic design review process like the town of Egg Harbor, then the town of Bailey's Harbor could do that too. Though the town of Egg Harbor doesn't have full county zoning. Right. So it's quirk of the 70s Yeah, so and it's 80s. a different right. But but to your point, yes. And then you speak of that Bailey's Harbor building and it's okay, they went through the town process, it was approved. There mm-hmm. you know, the sign the sign has out front, the building construction sign has had a rendering of what the building exactly. and the signage was going to look like right. for a month, for almost a year. Right. So I mean, people just don't pay attention. And and as everyone has said, like, it just didn't look like it would be that big and in your face. Yeah, it's a little bit different when you see it, you know, because you did a story on it right when he first proposed it. So Mm -hmm. we ran that photo of exactly what that building looked like right from the very beginning. But, you know, looking at a photograph in a a newspaper or on a sign, it it isn't the same. Right, it is different. And then that expectation of that board, and yeah, you could make a pretty good argument that like, Oh, that board should have had a little more feedback about that before they said yes. I hear that all the Even time. Even though they don't have the, because it's county zoning and the signs. I, I have this discussion with my dad, who's on the town of Egg Harbor board. And we, I'll grant this idea and he'll say, well, we don't have control over that. I'm like, but you can still suggest. Doesn't mean they have to do it. Some people just don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you'll say to somebody, hey, could you put the sign over here? It would just look better and uh, allow for a little better vision for your neighbor who wants to get out of the driveway. And the guy goes, oh. Sure, yeah, that's no sweat off my back. Mm-hmm. And, oh, could you plant a few trees here? Sure, we'll do that. So that's a lot of times what a town could do if they review that. They might have said, you can build the signs like that, but have you considered doing them differently? Sure. They, right. I and mean, in the town. It's simple things like that. Exactly. And they don't know because the town of Egg Harbor, they could have had a Dollar General there, right? Except mm-hmm. for that they looked at, they do have an aesthetic design. And, and I don't know, I'm probably not saying exactly its proper name, but it, it, it essentially is an architectural review board. Yeah. So they are able to take a look at those things. And they did come up with a very creative but but authentic an accurate way to deny that project. Mm -hmm. And all the way back to your original point is there are certain things they can't do. Like they had to come up with a creative way to say no to that dollar general. That stands up on legal grounds. Exactly. And those are the hard things. And then you go, yeah, you can create an aesthetic design and review board. Okay, great. We have every spring for our local elections, even in town of a thousand people, we've had village board races and town board races where they're just looking for three candidates and one of them will have no candidate. So then when every time I hear someone say, well, we need a committee for this or we need a d- design review committee. I'm like, all right, good luck getting five people to serve on that. Which is- And a, who? Right. Who is the one who says, this is what the architecture should be because I sit there in these and you sit them in, in these meetings all the time. Well, that's just not our town. Well, what is? I don't know, walk through town. Okay, walk through Bailey's Harbor one day and try to find the consistent architectural strain that runs through it, or Sister Bay or Egg Harbor. The only town that I think you could look at that has a consistent look and feel that you can really hang on to is probably Ephraim. Mm-hmm. That's mainly because they just painted them all white. Mm-hmm. You know, but right. 
Certainly not Bailey's Harbor, but this is a great transition <laughs> into what we're going to talk about next. And that is, you know, how big does a municipality need to be in order to do self-govern? <laughs> yeah. um, so why don't we take a break and then we can come back and talk about the shipwreck decision and your dive down the rabbit hole into right. that. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, so now we're back and we've kind of switched roles. Um, <laughs> this is Deborah Fitzgerald and I'm sitting here with Miles Danhausen and we are talking next about the shipwreck decision. Basically what has happened, this has been a long battle between the village of Egg Harbor and Shipwrecked, which is a restaurant in the village of Egg Harbor. They have been wanting to expand. The village has denied the permits that they would need in order to do that. And so Shipwrecked basically sued them. Took You know, there was a civil suit and the decision just came down in favor of Shipwrecked. And so now Miles will take it away <laughs> and, and talk with you about what that means. All right. I will try to do this in short order here and, and summarize where this all comes from. And so Shipwreck is trying to build and has been trying to do this for about three years now, a expand into the property next door that they bought that used to be Christine's Casuals. They, Aaron Andrews bought that building and moved it up the road. And now they got this open space next to Shipwreck and they want to build a 92 seat beer garden off to that area and a 1700 square foot building for like additional kitchen and storage space. And to do that, they had proposed, because they, they have the existing restaurants, so they're grandfathered in, they only have about 11 parking spots, I think, as it exists now. And when and you say grandfathered in, just so we're clear, that means that they don't actually have to abide by the ordinances that are currently in place. Yes, they have okay. to abide by whatever was there when it was first permitted, which, okay. you know, that has been a restaurant and tavern and inn since the turn of the century, almost as long as the villages exist. Right. So... And those have changed now. There are new parking requirements. There are, you know, new things that... Where Shipwreck's patio is right in front, I have pictures from the 80s that was parking. People just pulled up on that corner of G and, and 42, which oh, seems really? unfathomable now. Huh. You just pull straight up and that's where you would park. Okay. And then you had parking on the backside. So that was turned into seating, I think, shortly after uh, the Pullman's bought Shipwrecked in like 94, 95, that era. And then you had the fire and that was reconstructed and things have changed a little bit there. And the, so now they try to add on to that. That's what triggers this whole new permitting process where, all right, you're adding hundred seats. That's a large hundred seats is about the capacity of Husby's and Sister Bay mm. and the inside alone. So it's a significant restaurant. And to do that, they'd reconfigure their parking and actually have there's different plans that have been thrown out. Who knows what this actual plan that gets approved would be. But some of them had like seven parking spots. Some of them had 27. But that's still 
woefully short of the standard needed for a restaurant of almost 400 seats. So they have to actually try and, and that's what the village said to them, you need to meet our current ordinances since you are expanding at least for that outdoor space. Yes. Okay. And so they have to go to conditional use permit. That's okay. what triggered this whole process. The village denied that conditional use permit. Actually, Shipwrecked applied for it twice. Once they had said they had a shared use agreement with the neighbor that the neighbor spoke up and said, I know nothing about this shared use oh, agreement. Oh, I remember that. So that's the first time. That's why it got denied. This, they came back without needing that shared use agreement to meet access requirements. And this time the village said no again, based on what they cited was the congestion and safety issues at the County G42 intersection. And then the largely the parking shortfall. And then they cited some other minor things, but I'd say those were the two major reasons. And the parking thing gets complicated because the village put in a new parking ordinance shortly before this, sometime in 2021 or 2020. I get it confused. Mm. It's COVID years. They put in a fee in lieu of parking. So if you couldn't fit the parking into your lot, like if you bought a small business, let's say you bought the Sunglass Hut is a good example. There's no big parking lot there for the Sunglass Hut that's next to Maxwell House there that used to be the Egg Harbor Post Office. And if you wanted to open a small, I don't know, restaurant or something and say the ordinance said you needed eight parking spots, but there's only three there and you can count two on site, you need to make up for those other three. You can pay $50 a year, a $50 fee in lieu of parking for those other three spots. Like the idea being, okay, people can park down the road on the street, they can park at a neighboring business and walk to you and you kind of all share it. So that's the idea behind that. Well, they passed that, but they didn't put a limit on it. Mm. So shipwrecked with this proposal to meet the parking requirements, they, they propose having their, I think it's 20 some on site parking and then shared use parking with a business they own across the street at the oilery and then shared use with six spots at a business they own about half a mile up the road at Cape Cod Motel, hmm. and then 58 fee-in-lieu of parking spaces. At $250 a piece? No, at or, $50 a piece. Oh, at 50 because... Because okay. the village later upped it to $250. Oh, and they were grandfathered in But they were grandfathered. So there's another grandfathering in here. But still, that's pretty expensive. Is $50? that annually? Like for each... Is it for each space? It's annually for each space, which comes to... Quick math here. Yeah. That's, that's quite a lot, or it seems like quite a lot. It for is a lot if you've never tried to build a parking lot. <laughs> yeah, I um, suppose it could be less expensive than that. That is $2,900 a year. Okay, well. The going rate for a parking space, based on what Egg Harbor is trying to do down at the beach, is something like $20,000 per space. Okay, <laughs> so, so they saw it that as the least expensive way savings. to do it. And it also means you don't have to put the parking on your lot. Right. So you are your land use value goes from being a parking lot to an income producing. So technically the village could say, well, you need to meet the parking requirements. So if you want to combine these lots, now let's, you need to create all this parking, which I would argue is not a good idea is, is use like prime space downtown. And instead of having a tax generating business gener generating parcel, you just have a parking lot. So that's one whole other aspect. That's not even the juicy part here of this story. Yeah. But so although it is. It is. It's tied to it. Yes. But so then you get into, so Shipwreck sues to overturn this. Yes. And I thought there's a possibility Shipwreck could end up with a favorable decision here. But if it did, I thought it would be 
okay, you guys need to reconsider this based on X, Y, Z, or, you know, these plan commission, these conditional use permit things are quasi-judicial proceedings turning into like just real judicial proceedings at this time. I personally would never, you couldn't pay me enough to serve on a plan commission. <laughs> like looking at the legal stuff that comes up yes. and, and looking at this case and seeing how it gets interpreted by the courts. Like, nope, never want a part of that. And plus their meetings are atrociously long and mm. you have lay people dealing with big pocket business owners and developers now who bring high quality attorneys to the table and who are accustomed to the process and who, and and it's really technical. Yeah. I mean, you really need to know your stuff. I'd be pretty scared if I were Ephraim trying to deny that, that housing on the North end of town, if I read the shipwreck decision. So Mm. it goes before judge Todd Ehlers in Door County circuit court. And he, his decision he reverses the village's denial of the permit. And rather than send it back for reconsideration or appoint a mediator, or there are several options there, he decides he doesn't really base it on the merits of the denial, but he, in reviewing the proceedings, and this was Shipwreck's argument, was that there was bias on the part of the commission, of two members of the commission from the outset, that there is no way to remedy that and that they could never come up with a, a fair hearing based on that bias. So he didn't go into the particulars. He just said, yeah, I agree. There is a bias, and I'm throwing out this decision, and the only remedy is for me to grant the permit. Hmm. So Shipwreck, as of right now, you know, they won. They get their permit. No further proceedings. The village has appealed. They already have. They okay. have appealed now. As of you Yesterday, I think. Okay. <laughs> I spent a while on the court in the courthouse going through the <laughs> all the legal briefs and everything. But so yeah, it's uh, it gets really complicated. And, and that is so. I mean, so the really really surprising thing about this is, I, I guess, first of all, that they didn't remand it back to the village. But I guess he felt that he couldn't because I I think you use the words incurable. Yeah. Bias, which which means that it's so entrenched that there is no chance that there could ever be a fair hearing for this particular business. Yeah. Which is so weird considering how many people are on that plan commission? Are there five? There's five and, oh no, seven. Seven. When it's full. So there are only two. And how can you, I mean, wouldn't a village consider themselves lucky if they only had two biased people? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I think... It, it raises a lot of questions. And, and well, let's go into why he said it was yeah. biased. Okay. So there's a couple of things he cites. Chris Rodel had made statements before he was on the plan commission. He's one of the plan commission members. There's two, John Kolb and Chris Rodel, that Ehlers determined had an incurable bias here. And thus the whole commission did. But Rodel, oddly enough, was not on the plan commission when he first made these statements. He was a layperson who said, you know, another business owner saying this is going to cause parking problems. This is going to cause congestion issues. And then he also made some statements about, you know, why he didn't like the owners of that establishment. And he said that in, in hearings and in, in letters, but he recused himself. He gets appointed five months later after this kind of starts, he gets appointed to the plan commission and recuses himself from the proceedings and stays recused. John Kolb also made some statements against the proposal and mainly about his concerns for safety, congestion, and the fit with the comprehensive plan. I grew up in Egg Harbor. I used to deliver pizzas from what's now Door County Nature Works, and one of our biggest customers at a landmark resort. Yeah, there was a pizza delivery place in Egg Harbor. Um, (laughs) 
I had to cross that intersection all the time 25 years ago, and it's far worse now. Like everyone in Egg Harbor my entire life has talked about safety concerns at that intersection and parking issues around that intersection. Like mm. that's that's just like the sun coming up in, in the village of Egg Harbor. Sure. So, and so whenever a new development comes up, it's just natural really to bring that up again. Right, yep. yeah. So then there's also at this same time, One Barrel is looking at doing an expansion. There's another business proposed. Mojo Rosas is talking about expanding their beer garden. There's the ongoing parking concerns going on in the Egg Harbor that have been going on for like seven years with these complaints and meetings. Main Street with their parking concerns about you know, how come I had to meet my parking requirements and one barrel didn't? This is a couple of years ago. So there's a group form called, and, and basically if you're in all these meetings, you always hear when it comes down to like enforcing ordinances, you hear the village officials say, well, we're just going to get sued if we do this and they're going to fight us mm-hmm. and that's going to cost money. And so this group forms in, I think, January of 2021 called Smart Growth Egg Harbor. And their stated plan is to, raise funds to help the village fight legal battles to enforce their ordinances. Mm. Doesn't cite any specific business, but Rodel and Kolb donated, I don't know if it was like 50 bucks to it. And then at a public hearing five months later, that's when at a village meeting, shipwrecks owners or attorneys point this out that, hey, you've donated to this thing. You're too biased. You can't be on the commission now. It's weird because it wasn't specific to shipwrecked. But had you they, could definitely tie it to it. Sure. You had could they, also tie it to one barrel. You could also tie it to the parking ordinances. You could tie it to a few different things. So, But hadn't they already recused themselves? No. Oh, They okay. didn't. And then when they brought this up at a meeting, you, and Rodel and Kolb are not village trustees at this point. So they're the, like the lay people on the, on the commission. So they hear this and they're, you know, you're at a meeting and going, am I supposed, I guess, I guess I'll recuse myself now. Okay. So you make that split decision. Kolb then decides to unrecuse himself at the next meeting. He says, <laughs> you know, I've talked to attorneys. I've consulted. I've read the law. I don't think I have to recuse myself for this. Okay. Rodel just stayed recused. Okay. But Kolb comes back and participates in the proceedings. Rodel had already noted his concerns with this proposal. And as a recused member of the plan commission, he would send emails or make comment at public hearings kind of reinforcing those previous comments. But depending on who it goes in front of, you'd say, well, once you recuse yourself, you shouldn't make any comment or participate sure. in the discussion in any way. Problem is, Egg Harbor is town of 200 people. Say 40 of them are kids, 30 of them are well past the age when they might want to participate. Another 30 of them are the parents of those kids who don't have any time. And you need to be a resident, right? Of and you the need village? to be a resident of the village. So yeah. you're down to, what, a pool of 100 people to serve on all of your village committees and, exactly. and boards? And that comes back to like, okay, you want to create the Artistic Design and Review Board. You want to have the Village Board, the Plan Commission, the right. Marina Committee, the Green Tier Committee, the Library Committee, the Public Art Commission. Right. Basically, your entire town is on is going to have to serve on one of these or the same seven people are going to have to serve on all of them, which is usually closer to the truth. Right. And all of them own businesses. I mean, you look at the Plan Commission. Kathy Navis v- voted in favor of the shipwreck decision uh, the first time around. She's a neighbor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. She's also complaining about uh, the village taking away parking spots on the street. Like Joe Smith, who is shipwreck's general manager, was a former village president and trustee and the chair of the plan commission when the fee in lieu of parking issue got pushed through. And he's the one who led the creation of a fee in lieu of parking of just $50. 
with no cap at the same time that his employer is working on a proposal to add 92 seats and do so by paying the fee in lieu of parking. Right. And wasn't he a trustee when this whole process began? I believe he was, yes. Yeah, he was still on the board at that time. Yeah. You're, so, I, I mean, really what, what you're saying, and, and this is hard to believe that this decision, you almost feel like there's got to be something else to this decision, <laughs> you know, because even if, all right, so you've proved beyond a reasonable doubt that these two people are biased, and they have already admitted that they're biased, there's still only two people out of seven. They wouldn't actually, if they voted no and everybody else voted yes, then it would have passed. Like, what undue influence do these two biased people have? And also, they're not board members. They're not like, the, they're not the Klan Commission chair. Right. They are not, I would say as an outside looking in, I wouldn't look at them and say like, these are the two biggest power brokers in town or anything like that. Now, that, I don't know how a judge is supposed to look at that. I've talked to other judges trying to like interpret this a little bit. Sure. And it's still... I still haven't found quite the right answer. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's not the right thing. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that shipwreck shouldn't win the day on this sure. necessarily. Although like the parking requirement is, I think what the village tried to say is we have a thing that we may afford you fee in lieu of parking spaces. And that's what they hung it on is saying, well, this gives us the option to, it doesn't say we have to. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and shipwreck argued against that by saying, well, well then it's no ordinance at all if you can still choose, but there's tons of things that are, town and village can still choose to do for somebody. But in any case, that's what they, they hung their hat on is like, we had this discussion. And if you go back through the minutes, they're usually talking about like, well, what if somebody wants to open a small cafe here, but there's no parking on the site? That's where those discussions were around. It wasn't, hey, if somebody wants to open Walmart, they could do that and not have to provide any parking. <laughs> right. But see, all of the things even that you're talking about right now, you're talking about the merits of the case, which is the parking. The parking is what the commission decided was not adequate or one of the things and the major thing, really, that was not adequate in this case. And that's why they denied it. This decision and and you're right. I mean, it's the judge's decision. He gets to to make that. And he knows the law better than I do, certainly. But it just seems it it raises so many questions. Well, and it's. For and this is why I brought up Ephraim before because I, I was as I was writing this story I'm like okay here's a decision I'll just write this quick thing and as I'm thinking about it as I cover all these other plan commissions and see like if you go back to those oh God that's another one that must have been like 40 hours of meetings and most every step of the way the village attorney was there for shipwrecked for the shipwrecked hearings. I know those were and every very step long. of the way Cambria Miller would turn to the attorney and say like. Because they laid it out, like, exactly how you have to handle this. Like, you point by point, it's got to be evidence. It's got to be not opinion. It can't be based on whether you like the person or not or you like the look of the plan necessarily. If you if you don't want this or you do want it, you got to cite the evidence for why. And you have and specific criteria. Like, you go through, walk through like 17 each of them. criteria. Yes. And they did that, and it was laborious <laughs> to sit through. But most of the time, it would be like, Attorney Calney. Is this correct? Are we proceeding in the correct way? Attorney Kelly, should this person refuse himself? What are the options? Attorney Kelly, this. I mean, they really tried to go through by the book. Ephraim, on the other hand, in this North End development, not so much, but that's a whole other story. Okay. But it ties into why I looked at this as I was writing it. It just raised so many questions about. Yes. Couldn't, is, if somebody wants to sue then, is there any way that you would even be able to use the grounds to deny it if, I mean, this is a small town. There's not that many to go around. 
I look at my, you know, my dad owns a business in the village of Egg Harbor. He used to be on the fire department. Now he's on the town board. He owns property in the town. You know, that's a lot of vested interest. Plus, you know, as my uncle lives in the village of Egg Harbor, you know, by, I mean, at one point, Dan Housen's probably accounted for 17% of Egg Harbor residents, you know, like at what point of going out and sitting around and talking to people, does that not become biased then if it's, Hey, you stated a position on this or you donated to something. We, we donate to a million things up here. That's mm-hmm. a great thing about the County. Like, and you can't even know that these things are arising. So you can't even curb your behavior. Yeah. It's not like they would have known that shipwreck was suddenly going to purchase Christine's casuals and, you know, put, I mean, so you just never know what is going to and happen. And you still have freedom of speech, right? <laughs> yes. So you, when you sign up for the plan commission, Presumably. that doesn't mean you put tape over your mouth until the meeting. And ideally, these people are representative of their community, so they should be out talking to people. They should be gathering input, sharing where they sit on it, and then somebody maybe convinces them differently. I've seen that so many times where someone comes into a meeting, gung-ho to say no, and then the vote comes and they're like, yes, because their opinion changes. And that... And what if you, and isn't that the point? Like, that's a really good point that you raise because isn't that the point of going through those hours and hours of hearings is to develop an opinion about it? So if you start with an opinion about it and your opinion Which can't be swayed. Which everybody does. Of course. And, and, and your opinion cannot be swayed by any of the evidence, then it can't be swayed by any of the evidence. I mean, but isn't that what you're supposed to do is come up with, this is what I think about this. Yes. I came in this way, maybe, but I haven't changed my mind. And it happens all the time. It I, either they st- don't say your must. mind. And other times they change. And Chris Rodel even, in one of his, one of the things that was cited as him interfering with it after he had recused himself was proposing a compromise. He sent an email to the plan commission. I, I believe it was an email. It might have been testimony at a at a meeting of saying, okay, they want to do 392, they're at 302, or they're permitted for 270 originally, so they were technically kind of operating above what the village expected them to be operating for a number of seats. And he said, all right, if they hit this many parking spots on their lot, that would get them down to 40 feet in lieu of parking. They reduce their seating and do 348 or something. So he's coming to a middle ground there, mm-hmm. kind of changing his mind, going from, this is a flat denial and mm-hmm. stuff. So, which is kind of the way these things are supposed to work, like we just said. Yeah. It's complicated. It is. Obviously, Ehlers isn't there for every proceeding of the, the, the 40 hours worth of meetings and things. But it, it's weird because if you read the court document, you're like, wow, these commission members. Because a lot of the lay public goes, you're on the commission. You are, this is a scheme. And it's like, um, I'm retired. <laughs> I just volunteered to help the town. And this sucks. You know, like, <laughs> I'm quitting right. the plan commission. I did not sign up for this. Yes. I thought we were just trying to like, hey, can we guide it a little bit? Right. So Can I help? Yeah. I mean, is mostly what it's supposed to be. Can I help? So what, for me, it, it, it lends, how does, if that's the judgment of it, like how do you do it going forward? For any and community, you're right. I mean, it, that's a great, I mean, that's a great hypothesis to start with. <laughs> like, how can you? How do you? Because then you're, you're like, man, it's just weird to read your name in court documents, right? Like, sure. I, the first, I had to get fingerprinted once. That's just so weird when you think of yourself as a good law-abiding citizen. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, man, this is embarrassing. This is horrible. But it's, 
that Ephraim decision that I keep referencing, so there's that development on the north end of town. Is that the one that was just decided? They, they, they like split it and yes, decided okay. on one part of the property, which I don't even know if that's actually allowed. But And those are those, I shouldn't say this because it's biased, I guess, but they looked like cute little white houses that they were going to be building yeah. in that development. And those were the ones that were denied, right? Yes. Okay. And they were. It's not like we need cute little white houses <laughs> in Dora County, right? <laughs> they denied that one. Well, they, that whole hearing started and they didn't run it. Like a quasi-judicial proceeding, it was basically a ton of people getting up and saying, this doesn't fit, this isn't Ephraim, this isn't my Ephraim. Mm. And then a motion by Ken Nelson on the plan commission to deny it. And then finally the attorney stepped in and said, well, you can't just deny it. You have to have reasons. So I suggest you give me an opportunity to review things and come back with the reasons for denial. So I suggest you give me an opportunity to come up with a reason. And and I'm hearing this now after reading this decision going, well, they're done. I mean, mean, if that doesn't come in with like a, a bias for your actual proceeding. Sure. Sure. I mean, and this is case law now. I mean, so any developer, well, of course, if the village... You know, a different judge can decide differently. They but can, and there is an appeal, so it's not like completely done yet. But if the case law were to stand, we truly do need to wonder like what is going to happen going forward. Because any developer who, who reads this story, who understands this case, would sue automatically. As soon as yeah. you don't get the answer that you want, then they would just file a civil suit. And it would be like an automatic part of the procedure. And hard enough as it is to recruit plan commission members now and other people to your boards, well, good luck with that after that happens. After it becomes so such a litigious process, as opposed to let's work together to try and, you know, solve these problems that we know exist together, that we can come up with some, you know, common ground. Like if you can't come up with common ground with people who live within your community and a local business, you know, I mean, yeah, it's a tough. little, yeah, it's, it's really tough. When you look at these commissions and who makes them up and then you try to put them into this level of pressure for it, for, an, you know, I guess you're paid a meeting stipend, but you're not like paid a salary. And oh, stuff. of course not. And um, especially not to sit there for six hours. No, I mean, <laughs> there's no stipend that would make me want to give up six hours after my workday right. for some of this. I mean, I just have to cover it Yes. after my workday. Right. And you just have to cover it at the end of your re- regular work. Some people are like, well, that's your job. It's like, yeah, but I still work the full day before I go to this thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's not me. Not that we're just reporters, whatever. But yes. it's... And it is our job, but it's just a long job. <laughs> well, it is. And and also, we have to understand it, too. I mean, not to get on this huge sidebar, but we have to understand it. You have to look at all of those documents that everybody else is looking at, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So in essence, you know it. You know that project, you know, almost better than the plan commission member who just did not have time to take a look at everything and knows that they don't have to explain it to a bunch of readers. Yes, yeah, because you're trying to go part. like, how do I do this with clarity? How yes. do I how do I enlighten it and inform? I mean, you really half the time when you write stuff on this, you're like, I'm hoping they get two key points out of this, mm-hmm. you know, or three, and the rest of it maybe they read on and it points them to go to the minutes or they they want to dig deeper. But like a thousand words, the meeting minutes for some of these things are forty pages. Yes. So 
You're trying to distill all that and find the most important parts of it. And again, that's the job we signed up for. I like exactly. doing it, but sure. it's uh, it's hard because you leave something out and you're like, oh, shoot, that should have been in there. Right. But, and that's, I, I mean, and that's, that's one of the dangers of our job, you know, I mean, because we are translating what is happening at those. But for the plan commission members who are actually on these boards and who have to put in their due diligence and have to study all of this stuff, you know, they're the ones that, that this falls back upon, you know, I mean, this is, I don't know. I, I hope that you'll be able to get to kind of the bottom of this, you know, why, why is this a decision that is so, so well formed that a judge could make it and say, nope, two people are biased on a commission of seven people. And so now you get your permit, you know, that on its face seems very, very, eyebrow raising. And yeah. so I, I really hope, I know that you're going to be working on this. I know you've been diving down into the documents. You get to spend time in the Justice Center, <laughs> um, which is, you know, so much fun. In the little um, cube. Yes. So we will probably hear a lot more about this. Yeah. And hopefully it's informative. And I, I don't know, like, I think it's a legislative problem almost more than these local municipalities in that once they passed Act 67, it just ramped it up. I mean, it had always, Plank Commission had been so, sort of laborious, but now it's like so constrained on what you can judge it based on and how you have to have, it doesn't come down to like the argument you make at the end. It's how did you proceed through the whole thing? Mm-hmm. Or in Egg Harbor's case, how did your potential committee members act before they were ever part of the committee now matters? Right. And, you know, they were probably correcting for good reason, right? And when they originally did it, because people who joined plan commissions were probably like, I want to make sure that they don't build a single other thing in this town. Yeah, that definitely is the case in Door County. (laughs) So if that were the case, then they needed legislation that would actually correct for that. Yeah. How do we prevent that from happening? Because obviously we do want to have some development. But you think of this, like when people talk about small government, and this was Act 67 is legislation passed, pushed by the Republican legislature, party that says they're about small government. You want to make government more expensive in a small town? Make them have 40 hours worth of meetings, you know? And maybe this is a way to squeeze it and get rid of plan commissions. I don't know. But which would be a very libertarian thing of like, you own your property, you build whatever you want kind of idea. I doubt there's anyone in Door County listening to this that agrees with that idea. No. And at it, least it not would for their to, neighbor. <laughs> definitely and, not. And statute would have to change, and, and you know, I think. But <laughs> I wonder if you added up the cost, and maybe this is something I'll do too, is like what is the cost to the village of Egg Harbor just in the shipwreck proceedings? What is the cost to the county for the quarry proceedings? And because each member gets that small stipend, that doesn't add up to a ton, but once you do it over that many hours starts to add up the salaries of your village officials who have to be there, your, your administrator, your clerk, your secretary, things like that. Then the court cases, then the meeting facilities. There's just so much that goes into it. Mm -hmm. The hours of prep time that your administrator has to put in for that. And then your attorney's fees Mm -hmm. to sit in those meetings every time. It can't be cheap. I mean, it easily can run into the, I would be surprised if the quarry park thing wasn't $10,000. Yeah. Probably, probably even more than that. Yeah. I mean, think about it over the number of years. I mean, the corporation council's time is not cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, sure. And they're all, I mean, you know, they're all salaried people at the county level that are working on that. But still, it doesn't make any difference. I mean, they're spending all of their time on that, you know, on that particular project. And what else is actually, you know, 
what else is not getting done right. as a result. But I mean, anyway. this is, you know, always really interesting things <laughs> that arise and you never know what you're going to be dealt with, which is why we love what we do. <laughs> but I really look forward to reading more about this and where it takes you. Yeah. I got to talk to a lot of people who are smarter about legal. So if you're out there and you have some opinion on this, please give me a call. Sure. That sounds great. Well, Miles, it was fun sitting down and talking. We don't get to do this very often. No, we don't. So, uh, I mean, we do it in the office, but that doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so it was good to, you know, have it actually go somewhere yeah, in our conversation. Yeah, be useful for somebody besides <laughs> us, too. Yes. And we killed almost an hour here. That's oh way more gosh. than I thought. Wow. But, Deb, thanks for hopping in the podcast and Absolutely. filling up a little bit of a Friday. I know you got some busy things to do this afternoon and this evening. So thank you for that. And by the way, the, apparently the podcast is the only place I call you Deborah. I noticed myself do that a few times. I'm like, I never call her Deborah. No, but, you don't. And and I actually just started calling me Deborah on the podcast. You used to call me Deb, but yeah. then it switched to Deborah. I heard it one time. I was listening to one of your podcasts and I was like, what, Deborah? <laughs> and it is, I mean, you know, when I, I go back and forth, so I can understand why people go back and forth. Yeah. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> Throw the occasional Debbie at exactly. you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. No. <laughs> well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Door County Pulse podcast. We'll be back with at least two, maybe three episodes next week as we make up for some lost ground here. And we've got some good interviews lined up with some great people in the community. And so we hope you are back with us again very soon. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.